Uh, you might want to help me figure out how to flatten this. Um, it's good to be here. It's an honor to be here. And um, yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. I'm having kind of a, a, a download of things that's coming to my mind that I know is the Lord and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to share it uh, in the midst of what the main thing is that he's given me. So if you bear with me for a minute, um, say this with me, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let's pray that last phrase again. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This was important to Jesus. And he taught his disciples to pray that way, to pray that prayer. He taught them in Matthew. He, there's a verse in Matthew chapter 6 where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. And seeking first the kingdom simply means seeking first the rulership of Father. When he said, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, and he prayed, thy kingdom come. The only reason why he was here was he wanted Father's will to be done in the earth. And he prayed that when he went to the cross. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. That's his heart. And you are cherished by God and chosen by God. In fact, you're created in God's image. Now, Jesus is the exact representation of God. He is, the Bible says, the fullness of Godhead bodily. That when you see him, you see God. Amen. That's why he was sent, because Father wanted to be known. And so he sent his son, and every time you look at him, you have a perfect picture of who God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is. You are different than any other creation ever created in that no other part of creation can say, I was created in his image. The stars can say, I was created by his hand. The sunlight, the light, can say, I was created because of his voice. The firmament was divided when he said to divide it. He set a light to rule over day, moon to rule over night. And he set systems, seasons, and solar, con solar constellations and everything in order. He set everything in order. He hung every star in the space. And he set our ecology in order. And our, 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 he just, he's put this whole world together and surrounded it with an atmosphere in which we could live, where we could breathe. But then he took and he formed man out of the dust of the earth. And he breathed into this clay model, if you will. I don't know how to say these things. This is too wonderful. Can you imagine watching all that happen? That's amazing. 
That's true science there. And he breathed into it and that clay model became a living soul. That's you. Dirt came alive. And you were created in his image. Why did he want to create part of his creation in his image? Well, I think is because his heart is to know and to be known. Say this with me. Get your, get your fingers up like this, okay? And do this. You learned this in children's church. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. You are unique in creation to reveal the light of the creator. You're unique. I don't know about you, but when I walk out early in the morning, I have a, I spend some time on a lake up in Northeast Missouri and I love 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, sitting on the deck and watching the sunrise over the water and hearing the birds start to sing and just watching the mist rise off the water. And I go, oh, the whole earth sings of your glory. It tells of your wonder and your glory. It, it's, a, it's such a great testimony. But what I do, what I fail to do is be reminded that the earth can't do nearly as good a job as I can of revealing him. That of everything he created in this earth, he made me to be a carrier of his majestic glory. Does that make sense? And in the end, when you think about what brought you to Christ, what happened that brought you to Christ, it wasn't a sunrise or a sunset. It wasn't a beautiful mountain range or a luscious pasture. It was a person. It was the foolishness of preaching. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And when the news that they bring matches, of the, matches the spirit of the one who gives the news through them in the anointing. It's really the Holy Spirit working through you and I that calls men to himself. It calls men back to their original design. This is too wonderful. I want to read a scripture to you that just I can tell you this is a word from the Lord for Ascension Church. I had breakfast with little Jimmy Harris, and he's a pastor in my area that started out as a Nashville session player. He was, he's really good playing rhythm guitar, but what, his, what he's really known for is the fiddle. And you know, Branson's a fiddle country and that man he's about five I don't know how tall he is he's short he's really short he reminds of little Jimmy Dickens but he can play the fiddle and he and I have been in fact Tuesday night we will go to a uh, what I call the Pizza Hut Church it's a church that we helped start last couple of years and it's just full of people from the streets of Springfield and we're gonna go there and we're gonna play music just my old guitar and little Jimmy and we're going to sing and they're just going to think it's wonderful. But what we really want to do is reflect the heart. We want to reflect the person and nature 
of the Father to them. We want the kingdom to come. If they went to heaven, do you think they'd hear music? They think they'd hear sounds of heaven's worship? And some of it would be fiddle music. Some of it would be music like we heard here this morning. It's all there. Some of it's vintage, some of it's modern, some of it is, you know, the doing, doing, doing from India. <laughs> all of it is, you can worship in all of it. I loved what Angie said at supper last night. She said, uh, she knew someone who was praying and God said, I want you to worship. Well, we worship. She said, he said, take away the drums, the piano, take away the sound system and see if people still worship. If you have to have all this to worship, you're not worshiping. If it has to be a certain style of worship for you to worship, certain style of music, you're not worshiping. <laughs> you're just not worshiping yet. You're more worshiping yourself and your wants then you are worshiping the God of all creation who made all those noises and sounds and you know all we're doing is mimicking what he created <laughs> David listened to the birds singing and created flute he invented more instruments than 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 anyone knows they had to make all those instruments and he would listen to nature and then he would invent instruments that would play the rhythm and the sounds of of nature and then he'd, he'd symphonize them all together and pretty soon the whole earth would be filled with the sounds of the glory of God. He's manifesting and see when we worship this morning I'm thinking you're doing kind of maybe the most important thing you do this week now if you missed that hour or 30 minutes or whatever it was and you really didn't engage from your heart then shame on you. Because what you did is you let the enemy encroach on your territory and take up space in your mind that was supposed to be marked out for him. So what do you do? Well, here's what you do. You start worshiping him right now in your own spirit. And when you go home and you get in, you know, you don't go watch NASCAR first. Go listen, to, go do something to worship God. You owe him worship. Early in the morning, David said, well, I rise to worship you. From the rising of the same sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. He's worthy. Yes. And, and He's worthy. so this scripture is, is on my mind, and I just, I'll read, I'll read just a portion of it. He said, and this is, this is Proverbs chapter 8. I, I'm going to be here just briefly. You can turn there if you want, but I'm not going to stay here long. I just want to give you this one line so you can see the heart of God toward this church. I had breakfast with Jimmy Harris this week and I told him I'm coming to Skytook. And of course he asked the regular question, Skyhook you mean, Sky something? I said, no, it's Skytook. That's, I said, I have a feeling, and I don't know the story of the history of this place, but I have a feeling in some tribe or teepee hut, some campground, a tornado come and took one of their kids. And they said, the sky took them. So is that really true? Well, I, I ministered and helped a church in uh, Thief River Falls, Minnesota. And the, you can imagine the story. There's a little river in there, and there are falls. And kids are swimming, and the river stole their kids, so they call it Thief River. <laughs> and uh, but when I talked to him, I said this. I said, I love going to this church because they, they're a praying church. 
This is really a praying church. And when I walked in this morning, prayers, it's like, I'm home. This is home. Verse 26, chapter 8, Proverbs. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he ascribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water should not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman. And I was daily his delight. The father it delights in his son. And this actually is Jesus during the creation. He said, uh, I was rejoicing always before him. Listen to this. Rejoicing in the world, his earth. And this next line, I, w I, wish, I, could, I wish I could brand it in your minds. And having my delight. And the sons of men. Amen. Did you know that you are his delight? You're created with a special purpose. You can carry the glory of God like no one else. You do carry the glory of God like no one else. And so as I was here in the worship, I would open my eyes and I would see the room that we were in. But I would close my eyes and I'd be in the same room, but I'd see something totally different. Now, normally when I get something like this, I'll share it with your leadership in private. Because I don't care what you do with it or don't do with it. But I'm going to tell you what I saw. I kept seeing it. It came back. Every time I'd close my eyes, I would see this. What I saw with my eyes closed matched what I heard with my ears and you are blessed to have the primo musicians songs worships experiences from all over the world because of technology and you guys have learned how to enter into that and just worship that but you've only learned how to do it to a point now here's what I, here's what I want you to see Here's what I want you to see. This next generation lives in a different world than I grew up in. Last night, I was sleeping over in the church house, and I had my little iPhone, and all night long I played worship. Some of it was just sound, some of it was videos, but I had worship. Anytime I'd come a little bit up out of my sleep, I would hear the sounds of worship. But when I would close my eyes, I'd be somewhere else and I would see it in a different way. I was using technology all night to help me turn my eyes on Jesus, to help me focus on him. Don't poo-poo the technology. Don't look down upon the technology that God's given you. It's what he's given you right now to help you worship. And this is not better or worse than live psalmist. It's just different. As long as you worship, that's what matters. Sometimes you do it with live musicians and live psalmists. Sometimes you do it with the video. 
But here's what I saw, and I closed my eyes, and I'll just present this to you guys. I saw this room differently. And when I looked up at the front, you know, it was like we were hearing these sounds, and they were coming from those speakers, but mainly what I was looking at was that screen. But when I closed my eyes, I saw a matching screen on that side. And I saw different video devices. I even saw an old 1970s console TV up here. And I saw some of the pictures that were flying through this thing were kind of the historic vintage look, look and feel. And I saw more than just words on a screen. I saw video. I saw it was like God had sent out his roving reporters and they were they were take they were scanning the earth for worshipers because he says the eyes upon the of the Lord are constantly roving to and for over the earth seeking who will put their trust in him and when God looks down he's seeing people worship for every nation from every tribe from every tongue and when I closed my eyes, I, I could see a representation of this in this church. The next thing I realized when I closed my eyes that I was surrounded by a great throng of people in this room. It wasn't just a few of us, and a lot of them were young. They were people who had been raised up on technology. Every day of their life, they're on cell phones, I mean, you think about it. What do you pay money to do? Go watch a movie? Turn on a Netflix program? We are stimulated like crazy more now by video than even by printed text. And I saw some of the screens up here and the scriptures were just passing through. Scriptures that related to songs. And I begin to realize there's a whole angle, a whole dimension of worship. And that one thing may appeal to someone old like me, but another thing may appeal to someone young like this young lad sitting here on the fourth row back. <laughs> you, yeah. I don't call you young. <laughs> I can see it. When I close my eyes, I can see it. And I thought, what if there was a place where you could just walk in and sit down for a minute, but something, not only what you heard, not just audible, but something visible engaged you and brought you to your feet and helped you do war. Psalms 149, I think, or 150 says, let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hands. When you praise him, you're defeating your enemies. It's a weapon of your warfare. Does that make sense? And so I just saw that. And I, I always, you know, I don't know where I saw it. it makes a difference. I saw it here. And I thought, Lord, we're doing church the way we've done it for 50 years, 100 years. Maybe you got an upgrade. 
even beyond the upgrades that we, you've already embraced. And maybe those upgrades will help more people connect to him and will reflect his glory. So I, I, just, I just submit that. I saw that. And uh, the main, I'd like, like for you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And I've already started my message, but now let me give you the title of it. And the title of my talk is How to Win a War. How to Win a War. And I hope I don't need to spend time explaining to you that you are in a war and that we are in a war. Basically, I want to talk to you about the components of war and how to deploy them to win a war. And we'll start here in Ephesians chapter 6. And it's a familiar passage to you, I'm sure. And it talks about the armor of God. And uh, he says... Um, It starts out by saying, children, obey your parents. And then he talks about honoring your father and mother. Then he talks about fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. Do you know how fathers provoke their children to wrath? I'll tell you how. There's a lot of ways, but one of the main ways is abandoning your child. You want to provoke a kid to wrath? Just don't be a dad. Don't accept your responsibility. You'll have a mad kid. And that's your fault. And then he says, Slaves be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. And do this with fear and trembling. In sincerity of heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service or men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Whether you're a slave or an employee, he says, honor those in authority over you. Be a good worker. Be a, find something to do. They're not paying you to hang around. They're paying you to be productive. I don't care what the rest of the guys does. I don't even care what the union says. Find something to do to be productive for the people who are paying your wages. And then he says, with goodwill render services to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he'll receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And so the masters do the same to them. Give up threatening, knowing that both their maker and yours is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. 
it's interesting because the rest of this chapter begins to talk about putting on the armor of God and we wrestle not against flesh and blood and all that stuff. But if you can't honor your father and mother or be a good employee, do you understand what I'm saying? If you can't, if you can't submit to earthly authority, I don't think you're going to submit to heavenly authority. You can't be trusted with it. So then he says, after you get that down, get your little rebellious spirit checked at the door. It's not about leadership as much as it's about followership. Learn to be a follower. Learn to be a good follower because good followers make good leaders. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Isn't it interesting how he, he just talks about wives being subject to their husbands, children being honoring their parents. He, he sets this whole talk about spiritual.